surgeons keep our hearts beating. They do the amazing, help save lives, and so can you. Your CSL Plasma donation can help create 24 critical life-saving medicines that can give Grandpa the chance for his heart to swell when he meets his new grandson or give a bride the chance for her heart to skip a beat on her wedding day. Every plasma donation helps more than you know. Do the amazing. Help save lives. Donate today at your local CSL Plasma Center and be rewarded for your generosity. Hello, welcome to Let's Talk About It with Taylor Nolan. I am your host, Taylor. And I hope you guys are all having a wonderful, wonderful week. Um, I hope you guys have taken some time to take care of yourselves and hopefully catch up on some of these episodes. Uh, last week, we covered a new topic that we've never talked about before, about hunting. And today, we're going to talk about a new topic again, something we've never discussed on the pod. Um, and I'm very, very excited about it. So I have this wonderful book here that I'm holding called Sissy, and it is a coming of gender story. So today we're going to talk with uh, Jacob, a gender non-conforming writer, producer, and performer based in LA, uh, as well as a member of both the Forbes 30 Under 30 and the Ouch 100. Jacob's writing and advocacy has been featured by MSNBC, the New York Times, uh, the Guardian, Teen Vogue, so many more. Uh, Jacob has worn heels in the White House twice, and Sissy is their debut mem- memoir. And I'm so, so, so excited to uh, get talking on this topic. And I, I really, I honestly, I can't even express how excited I am because it's just something we've never talked about before. And I feel like it's going to be so important to address some of these things around masculinity. And the book is just absolutely amazing. And I can't even speak highly enough of how wonderful of a person Jacob is. So without any more intro, uh, we can get started and welcome Jacob to the show. I'm so, so, so happy to have you here. Hi, Taylor. It's, um, it's been a long time coming. We met back in what? That was like January? Yeah, it was like January, February at this really chic Spotify mm-hmm. cosmic playlist event with yes. my friend Chani Nicholas. Yes. Um, who's this like badass queer astrologer mm-hmm. who just like knows what the universe needs for me before mm-hmm. I know what I need for myself. Yeah. And I I remember, I'm pretty sure my boyfriend had asked you like, oh, oh, how did you know who she is or something? And, and you were like, uh, that's like the, you know, that's like a induction into being gay that you know who she is or something like that. Yeah, basically, <laughs> like, basically, like, it's like you, you, you kind of like when you get your gay card in the mail, you also get a subscription. <laughs> like you, you automatically followed Channy Nicholas on the internet. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, because I, um, I mean, she's just she's the you know she's just like the the go to astrologer for mm-hmm. all of the queer and trans babies and beyond. Yeah, I feel like I I did briefly mention with her about coming on the pod, and I feel like I still definitely need to have her on because there's so many things that happen in my life, and then I'm like, oh, Mercury was just in retrograde. Like, well, that makes a lot of sense. Like, what else right. was going on? <laughs> right. I also know that Channing has like a very interesting kind of like non-prescriptive approach to astrology mm. like it's it's like even the way she approaches astrology is super dynamic mm. i can't do it justice because i ain't her yeah um <laughs> but i just know that it's really great um mm. yeah I, she's she's a she's a cherished friend yeah um when i first met her she was wearing this like incredible black yeah. lace 
gown mm. that was like black lace over basically her whole body, like kind of like Whoa. see-through. And it was, okay. it was honestly like one of the sexier things I've ever observed in person. Yeah. And I was like, I was like, you're an astrologer and you're also wearing head to toe black lace. Like you're my friend now. Yes. <laughs> we need to make this happen. <laughs> oh, also like worth noting, Lizzo was performing when yes. I did that too. Yeah. Which anytime you have like literally the stars aligned because, you know, mm-hmm. Jenny was there and then Lizzo performed to bless our friendship. And yeah. then here we are. Yep. I mean, it was, <laughs> it was a magical night to say the least. Truly. And I got some free crystals. It was great. Yeah. My crystals are actually right here on my windowsill. <laughs> oh my God. Mine too. I have a whole little box of them because I took a gajillion because there was just like a bunch of leftovers. Yeah. There were a ton there. And, and I, was I was like, what am I supposed to do? look at, look at, look at all of them. <laughs> oh my God. You literally have a full I mean, little box they- of crystals. <laughs> It's just really cute because I was just like, look, like if you're not, if no one's going to take these, like I'm taking them. Yeah. So no. So right after that, I actually went to Vegas for a bachelorette party and I had all my little crystals in the bag. And then someone told me that you're actually not supposed to have your crystals like all next to each other. Like they're supposed to be like separated, like that there's like different energies in them. And so you're not supposed oh. to have them all together. And I was like, well, <laughs> well, clearly I'm a fuck up. Oops. I just yeah. threw them all in a box together. I was like, they look so pretty in that little box. Oh, yes, well. yes. <laughs> well, I'm so glad that our paths crossed and that we met that night. Um, you also then came to Seattle. Since then, I remember actually when we met that night, you were like, I have a book coming out. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. Like, you should come on the podcast and we should talk about it. <laughs> and since then, you've been on like quite a fucking ride. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's yeah. been it's been like it's been truly the way I describe. So I my book tour, I was in. 12 different cities in 16 days, oh um, including an appearance on The Daily Show. Yeah, which just a moment for, like... It was, it was like, like, honestly, I've never had a sexier night in my entire life because Trevor Noah... Yeah. He mm. gets, he's, he's just delicious on a level that is beyond human. Like, it's almost divine, you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, even you put earrings on him, actually. You gave him, you gifted him earrings. and Yeah, I gave him little <laughs> clip-ons because I was like, yeah. baby, I need, I need everyone. He didn't know the term. It was so funny. So backstage, I was like, because you, you meet, you meet, when you do a late night show, mm-hmm. I say as if I've done a bunch. Yeah, like yeah. You, you know, on the you, late night show run. <laughs> yeah, when you do late night, when you're on the circuit, um, you know, you like, you chill in the dressing room. Mm-hmm. You get all ready, your hair and makeup. Um, and then, which by the way, you have to pay for. No one tells you that part. Oh, no one tells what? you if you want a hair and makeup team, you got to pay for it yourself. I was like, excuse me, Comedy Central. And then I was like, it's fine, but I am going to call you out on this later. Yeah. Um, like, <laughs> That's weird that they know, wouldn't I, provide that. Interesting. Right. I'm like, I'm about to go on like a television show with like way more cameras than Jesus yeah. and just like intense lights. And yeah. I, it, it, aren't y'all invested in making me look good? And yeah. they're like, Nah, sorta. And I was like, okay, well, I'll, I'll hire my team. Um, yeah. so anyway, so you get your hair and makeup done and then you wait backstage and then like in your green room and then the host comes by for just like a quick second. So Trevor came by for like two minutes mm-hmm. and you don't talk for very long because yeah. you, you want to save the good stuff, mm-hmm. right? Like it needs to feel fresh when you're yes. actually talking on, on stage, but you talk enough to kind of get acclimated and to mm-hmm. not feel like you've never spoken to this person before in your life. Yeah. Um, and so while we're backstage, uh, or while we're in the green room, I'm just kind of like, 
So, Trevor, I have an idea for tonight because the producers didn't bring up this idea. It was very much my idea. Mm -hmm. And they said, like, you can run it by him and whatever he wants to do, you got to do. And I was like, fair. Mm -hmm. So I was like, so I brought little gifts for you and I want to do some gender fucking on your show tonight. Yeah. And he did not know the term gender fucking, which in my brain, I think everyone knows the term gender fucking Mm -hmm. because it's just fucking around with gender, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's not, it's not sexual. I mean, Mm -hmm. like it can involve like cute clothes that are sexy, but it's not like sexual. It's just like fucking around with gender, having Mm -hmm. a good time playing with gender. I thought that was sort of implied. He did not get that. He immediately (laughs) thought I was like hitting on him with some weird trans sex thing. And I was just sort of like, oh no. Like Like, what he hears is like, you want to have sex with me? (laughs) And I was like, well, that's not untrue, but, yeah. like, but but that's not what I'm doing right now. Like, I'm not actually hitting on you on your own, like, in the green yeah. room on your own show. I mean, I'm not not hitting on you. Like, yeah. that, like, I don't, I don't want to, I feel like if that myself. was to work, then like, yeah, let's go that way. But right. like, if consent is like active here, like if we're both having some enthusiastic consent moments and like, you yes. know, we can talk about what you're doing after the show. Cause I don't have fucking plans. Yep. Um, like, you know, but, but anyway, so then I had to sort of backtrack and be like, oh, so you don't know that term. Oh, gender fucking just means like, you know, it means playing around with gender. It means experimenting with gender. Yeah. It means having a good time. Mm-hmm. So I brought you some lipstick and I was hoping I could give you a little tutorial about how to put it on, on, on TV. And he was like, honestly, I am the child of a single mother. Mm-hmm. I have worn lipstick before in my life. Yeah. Any child of a single mother will have worn lipstick at some point. <laughs> I, I don't like it. And I was like, fair. He was like, I don't even like kissing somebody with lipstick on. And I was just like <laughs> sitting there in lipstick, like, okay, fine. You didn't have to go that far, Trevor. Like, fuck you. Oh, you know, I I'm was, like, okay, was Trevor, like, no on. lipstick. Okay, now, now okay, does fine. that mean I'm we can kiss? Lipstick off literally right now. Yeah, like, how, how do you feel about this? Like, what about a gloss? Yeah. What about yeah. like a light, mm-hmm. like a tint, yes. you know? Yes. Um, but anyway, so like, you know, he was like, no on the lipstick. And I was like, okay. I was like, well, mm-hmm. I also brought some clip-ons for you, just as a little gift. But yeah. maybe I can give those to you um, during the segment. He was like, oh, all right, we can do that. Yeah. And I was just like, we can. And then I was like, <laughs> this is the this is the greatest day of my life. Um, and so I and so I take out the, you know, I take out the little earrings and like a cute little, just like a little like, you know, sort of see-through mm-hmm. like white baggy. You know, mm-hmm. it's not like a plastic bag. It's like a nice cloth yeah. bag, but like you can still see in. So I take them out. And they're unclasped because it's TV. So I was like, I don't want to have to fiddle with yeah. getting the clasps open. So I, you know, like ready to wear. Mm-hmm. Um, and I take it out and like, you know, we're doing our interview and like mid interview, I'm like, oh, I have a present for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, and I make it a joke about gender fucking, which was fun because then they bleeped it on the yeah. show. And mm-hmm. my only dream in life is just to be that trans lady who gets bleeped <laughs> all the time. Yeah. I just want to be that like that like non-binary activist who also can't stop saying fuck yes. on live television. Yep. I mean, like, that's, that's my dream. Yeah. You know, yeah. like if they ever ask me to host SNL, I'll be fucked because mm-hmm. I'll just, I won't, it'll happen and they'll, they won't get it fast enough. And I'll be like, I'm yeah. so sorry. People always ask um, before they like come on and record. They're like, oh, like it's like language. I'm like, you can say whatever you want. Like we're keeping it real. Like just right. don't want you to feel like you have to censor yourself. I can barely even censor myself. So fuck it. Yeah. Like I always have trouble with like every interview always like, like, and what I end up doing, like the, the problem with live interviews is that you can't like, cause like yesterday I was doing an, an interview with like for a documentary that nightly news is doing for like Stonewall 50th anniversary. Mm -hmm. Like it's the 50th anniversary of this big um, LGBTQ riot that kicked off the LGBT rights Mm -hmm. movement in the 1960s. Mm -hmm. Um, And they're doing a documentary about sort of the 50 year anniversary of it. Mm -hmm. And I was interviewing with Nightly News, but luckily it wasn't live. So Mm -hmm. I could just be like, yeah, and I just don't get 
wait, can I say fuck? And she's like, no, you can't say fuck. And I'm like, okay, fuck. Um, okay, I just don't, and then I rephrase it. And then I'll yes. be like, yeah, these fucking people, th- these people are full of bullshit. <laughs> wait, can I say shit? And she'll be like, no, you can't say shit. And I'll be like, sorry, okay. And then I have to like redo the sentence. Yes. But the problem is generally I say the word and even asking whether or not I yeah. can say the word. Yeah. And I, and I don't, I'm a mess when it comes to censorship. It's but like, anyway, mm-hmm, go ahead. So, so I give him the earrings on the show, right? And I take mm-hmm. them out of the little bag. And then my favorite moment of the entire interview. And it's not the most impactful moment. It is not <laughs> the most politically vital moment, but it is the moment that was most meaningful to me. Okay. Is that like a cat, Trevor <laughs> is not excited about the earrings as much as he's excited about the bag. Yeah. He's literally like, oh, and they have a little baggie. And he does this little dance with yeah, the bag. He and he's like a five-year-old just being like, oh, I got a little bag. Um, and that little moment, like, alone will give me spiritual nourishment for the next 30 years of my career. Like, even (laughs) if I fuck up completely for the rest of my life, which will not happen, but if that were the case, I would be like, it's fine because Mm -hmm. I got to watch, I got to give Trevor Noah a little baggie and watch him get like, be filled with childlike glee playing with this like cute little cloth bag. Yes. It was everything. And then he put on the clip-ons and looked fucking incredible. Yeah, yeah. And made a great point that, like, in in his culture, you know, back home, that would be considered normal. And his grandma would be very excited. Yeah, Yeah, and his grandma would be like, you look so traditional. Yeah. And whereas, like, for me, they're like, you look like a queen. Yeah. But, you know, like, that was the other thing that's so cool is he just, like, successfully decolonized gender in, like, 20 seconds flat. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wow, I'm like, I thought I couldn't get even more turned on. But here we are. (laughs) Yeah, but he just... Oh, he's, yeah, he's something. He is something. Um, I had one other friend actually who had been on the show and uh, then I went and saw him live perform here in Seattle. And I was like, so do you want to get us like backstage? I mean, you were on the show. Like, does this mean I get to meet? (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, can't we meet? But (laughs) yeah. And and of course I was like, the thing that I was most sad about is I was like, I thought maybe like afterwards he would like swing back by and be like, oh, if you're ever in town again, let's get dinner. And it's like, of course not, Jacob. This is his job. Oh, yeah. <sighs> yeah. That's still, it's fine. One I mean, day he'll give me his phone number. One day we'll be real yes. friends. Yes. Okay. So I want to take a short little break here um, just to share a little story, but also a message from one of our sponsors. Um, last time that Canada Man, my boyfriend, was in town, he broke his carry-on and now has been using my favorite carry-on suitcase, which is from Away. And it's one of my favorites because it charges my phone so I don't have to worry about my phone dying while I travel. Um, it's also actually very cute. And usually when I travel, I look like very disheveled. But the fact that now I that I have this Away suitcase is like the one thing that like makes me look put together and keeps everything really neat and organized and it's also actually very lightweight. So even though I am usually shoving a lot of stuff in it, um, it still feels very lightweight to carry up and down steps. And um, he's been loving it and I'm excited. I get to see him soon so that I can maybe steal it back. Um, but for you guys now who are listening, you can get $20 off of a suitcase and just visit awaytravel.com slash Taylor and use promo code Taylor during checkout. Again, that's $20 off a suitcase. Just visit awaytravel.com com slash Taylor and use promo code Taylor at checkout. Um, Away also offers a 100-day trial. So you can live with it, travel with it, Instagram it. And if at any point you decide it's not for you, you can return it for a full refund with no questions asked. So you really got nothing to lose here. Um, I would definitely try them out. Again, $20 off a suitcase at 
awaytravel.com slash Taylor and use the promo code Taylor during checkout. And now we can get back to the show. And I really hope next time I see him, I get my away suitcase back. (laughs) Okay. So jumping ahead a little bit here, but in one of the sections of your book, you actually wrote about how you wrote into the Daily Show when it was Jon Stewart. And you were like, (laughs) they never wrote back. And now I'm like, and now you're on the fucking Daily Show. Like, Yeah. Life is full circle in really weird ways. Also, thank goodness that Trevor Noah like is so good at the job and like Mm -hmm. took over from Jon Stewart so well because the Daily Show lasted long enough for me to get where I was going in my career to have that full circle moment. I mean, Mm -hmm. like, praise the Lord for that. Yes. Yeah. Yet I another thing magical. I owe Trevor. Oh my gosh. No, that, that was magical. I was like so proud for you and just, it was, it was great. Um, and then you came to Seattle was one of the cities that yes. you visited in your tour and it was my finale. It was my last stop. Oh, it was. I didn't realize it that. It was. Yeah. Oh, lovely place to end it off at. Um, and yeah, we, so I saw you there and just even the Q and A and everything that you shared was just so great. And I was like, mm. I just love that, you know, I think that the the whole topic around gender can be very confusing for people. It can feel really scary. It can feel like uh, very intimidating. Like people don't want to say mm. the wrong thing. People don't want to step on toes. And I think, you know, I might even say things that aren't, you know, politically correct or that mm. I'm not, it's just not a part of my world. And so I'm not educated on. And um, I think it's, so important to still lean into having these conversations. And I think it's even more important that, you know, part of what what I've seen you share and in, in your talks and everything has just been this sense of openness of like, mm. it's okay, mm-hmm. guys. Like, we should just talk about it. Like, it's not a big right. deal. Like, let's just right. talk. <laughs> well, and I mean, it's also like, I feel like it, one of the things that I've had to get in touch with as a reality is that like, it took me, you know, like a decade maybe a little more to figure out my own gender. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? And to figure out like how to see past what I was taught about how gender should work Mm -hmm. um, and to really like open my own mind to the possibilities for my life. So, you know, Mm -hmm. I feel like it wouldn't be very empathetic of me to expect that everyone can figure it out immediately the moment that I do. You know, it's like you're at the the end, like I got a 10 year head start Mm -hmm. on a a lot of people. So it's like give, you know, like, yes, in some ways there are now there's more, you know, there's more of a course paved for people. So it's like maybe people can catch up in like two years five years three you know like a little quicker i think there's now Mm -hmm. like sort of an express lane that we've paved um but like but it's still of course it takes people some catch-up time Mm -hmm. you know yeah but i guess yeah the biggest thing for me that's hard as a i mean this is like sort of in best but one of the things that you know when it comes to being trans in this world that is a sort of new difficulty in my life is just that because of the way social media culture works and because Mm -hmm. the way that call-out culture works I feel like now there's this, there's this people, people are like nervous around me when I'm, especially when I'm, you know, I'm presenting more as femme, when I'm more, when I'm visibly gender non people mm-hmm. are like nervous around me, but it's only because they're anxious about saying the wrong thing, mm-hmm. not because I'm trans. Like, like they don't actually yeah. have anything, like they're not actually uncomfortable about anything about who I am in the world or my yeah. energy or my spirit. They're just like, oh shit, I don't want to fuck up and like mess up and then get yelled at on Twitter. Yeah. You know? Or then and offend like, you and then you have you not right. like them and feel uncomfortable right. or feel like, you know, that they are very p- politically correct in a lot of ways. And now here they just fucked this up. And now it's like, oh, right. shit. 
And it's like, for me, it's like, I am, I am way too chill of a lady for mm-hmm. that energy in my life. Yeah. You know, like, I just want people to know that it's like, everything's going to be fine. Mm-hmm. You know, like, and if you fuck something up, it's okay. Mm-hmm. I fuck things up all the time. Yeah. I, I still fuck up people. Like, I am a non-binary person who uses they, them pronouns professionally. Mm-hmm. And there are still moments where I fuck it up, yeah. you know? Like, there's so much where I fuck up other people's pronouns. And I'm, like, supposed to be the spokesperson <laughs> for, like, doing good pronouns. So yes. I just think it's so important to remind folks that, like, we are human. We are mm-hmm. all trying our damn best in this world. Yeah. Um, but the number one thing that I ask of people as a trans person is just, like, for just for everyone to be chill. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, oh my God, oh my God, <laughs> we're on FaceTime and I just, your cat just jumped into the shot. What is your kitten's beautiful she did. name? Uh, this is Lily and she's oh my meeting God, my thighs. <laughs> she is so perfect. She's making biscuits. Yes, she is. She, oh, I um, love her so much. <gasps> she actually, so I'll share this story real quick. So I was away in Whistler for the weekend. And, you know, I've left her for longer than four days before. Um, And I have friends that come and check in on her. And this little bitch, (laughs) I got back (laughs) two nights Uh ago. And I was so exhausted. I was so tired, just like emotionally drained and was like, oh, can't wait to get into bed. I was legit in bed at nine o'clock. Okay. I'm a night owl. I'm I'm proud of you. I'm a night owl. I was in bed at nine (laughs) o'clock. I was like, homegirl is tired. And I got in bed and I was like, oh, like what? Like, it kind of smells. And I was like, is Lily in the bed? Like, did she just use the litter box? Which is like in the, out in the hallway. I was like, she just really dropped one that stunk. And then, like, I couldn't figure it out. So I like, I, try, I like leaned over and looked underneath the bed. And I was like, did she like poop underneath the bed while I was gone or something? Like, what the fuck? And then I like rolled over a little bit, like to see if she was on the bed. And there was shit on my bed. <laughs> Oh my god, she literally was like, she, you leave me alone for four days, I will shit in your bed. Like, that was a serious vengeance poop that she, wow. I was like, that was so wow. personal and I don't yell at her frequently and she's usually like very good, like my apartment is clean, I am organized and the fact that she shat on my bed, I was like. Like specifically to piss you off. Oh my god, yeah, and Which, honestly, like, I've locked her out of the bedroom. So that, like when I leave now, the last few days, like when I leave the house, I've like shut the door completely. I'm like, you're not even allowed in there. Like I'm yeah, so disappointed like, in her. It's like it's hard because like half of me is like, wow, what a little asshole, and the other half of me is like, respect. I know, right? I'm like, okay, me message like, you know, received. If someone left me alone for four <laughs> days and I had to hang out in an apartment for four days, I would poop on the damn couch and be like, fuck you. <laughs> I mean, I definitely, I was like, okay, girl, like message received. I get it. Like I'll stay home. So now since I've been home. maybe you just need your friends to like spend a little more time when they see her. Yeah. Agreed. Like she just needs, she just needs to be, you know, she needs to be entertained. She needs entertainment like all of us. Can you imagine if someone like shut you out, like what you would do to somebody if they shut you out of your Netflix subscription for four days? I would be like, excuse me, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to like, this is how I get my mental health. This is how I entertain myself. This is how I feel okay in the world. Like I am going to do something crazy to your house. I will poop on your front yard. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, she's such a social cat. Like she's been attached to my hips since I've been back. And so I'm like, okay, I get it. Like I feel bad, but like, she's a sweetheart aside from the fact that she shot on my fucking thing. It's disgusting. This is a really important tangent. I think (laughs) it's a really important tangent, you know? Because I think we can I know, learn a lot, lot from, like, the way that cats, like, I think we can learn a lot about, like, what does it mean to name your needs, you know? Yeah. And, like, 
what does it mean to name when your partner has violated boundaries mm-hmm. that are important to you? Yeah, how you, you know? stand up for yourself and let yourself be seen. Right, Sometimes right. Like, like, I feel like we should learn examples from like how how openly and unabashedly aggressive cats will be you know like like that as feminists we can really like Mm -hmm. we can really learn something from that we can be like yeah that's what we need to do to people who fuck with us yeah she has no shame in letting me know that she's hungry and she wants to be fed right now like on her time like she is ready to eat she will follow me around the house until i feed her and will just meow and literally no shame just yeah she's like it's time so like you need to figure it out you know squeaky wheel gets the grease like, you know, squeaky, squeaky puss gets uh-huh. the snack. Oh, <laughs> see what you did there. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, I appreciate your uh, love and appreciation for Lily. Um, and yeah. Just it's another way things. of affirming g- gender. You know, that's all <laughs> it is really. It's like yeah. cat lady, cat lady is a gender identity. And I want <laughs> to make sure that you know that I see and affirm your gender identity. That's all I'm saying. Thank you. As I'm wearing, I mean, my crazy cat lady robe. You're, you're literally wearing a cat. It's, so for, for listeners, just so that you know, it's it's a it's a robe. It has three different things printed on it. It has the word yeah. meow with an mm-hmm. exclamation point. Yep. And then oh. it has little black... And then yeah. it has little black cats mm-hmm. with the, like their little faces. And then it has little white cats that are mm-hmm. like a silhouette. Yeah. And don't worry. I mean, the people that follow me on Instagram know this robe very well. Yeah. It's I'm, chic and also elegant. Yeah. Thank you so much. So that's how I feel. As we label crazy cat lady as a gender identity, um, <laughs> we've, we've spoken, we, we've thrown around some words here and I just kind of, want to give a little bit of like a educational uh, lesson yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll for some people that climber. maybe like are listening and are like, wait, non-binary, like non-conforming, what are they talking about here? So if we can kind of break down a little bit, some of the differences with like gender and sex and like the different kinds of gender identity, because mm, um, mm. I think that whole part is really confusing for people and it lends to that area that we just talked about where like people are so scared to say the wrong thing and where they don't even approach in the first place. And so maybe explaining some of this will help with people feeling more confident to just have conversations and maybe they'll know the right thing to say or maybe they can just ask or maybe they can just try to begin with. Right. (laughs) Well, I mean, okay. So, so the baseline thing that I think is very important to name is that like, um, as so, so, you know, a side effect of living in a world where, you know, people spent like, you know, a hundred years building the idea that there are two genders and they must act mm-hmm. in this one way. Yeah. Um, a side effect of that is that, you know, we're, we're now building an act, an accurate vocabulary around gender for the mm-hmm. first time as a culture in a minute, you mm-hmm. know? So like, that's, that's when I think about the ways in which trans folks, like, you know, like, I feel like teenagers on Tumblr are like, mm-hmm. Are, are like the laboratory, like are the new cultural anthropology department yes. of gender for like our whole world, yeah. you know, because they're like coming up with so many different ways to describe gender mm-hmm. and to name it. Um, and it's important because when you, when, you know, we've had, we've had this cultural tradition for a hundred years of saying that there are only two genders, mm-hmm. right? That gender is like reducible to one of two boxes and that's yeah. it. That's all you need to know. And so saying actually there's like 40 boxes mm-hmm. if, and that's only like, a, that's only a gross, un- Underestimation, you know that there's so that there's a plurality of genders that's yeah. beyond just one of two options. Um, it's it's important that we have other words. Mm-hmm. But the other thing I'll say 
is that going from two boxes to like 40 is fucking confusing. Um, (laughs) Even, even for me, it's confusing for everybody. Right. But, but the idea is that the more terms we have to describe gender, the Mm -hmm. more ways of describing gender we have, the more freedom we build for everybody. Right. Like everyone benefits from having more options to describe who they are and Mm -hmm. think about who they are. You know, like, because we are so complex and like we have so many different parts of ourselves and to be able to actually explore those and have that freedom. Like I, I can imagine can lead to people feeling like they're living a more authentic life and that they're able to express and um, communicate themselves in a way that feels, yeah. that feels authentic. Yeah. And I mean, for me, it's like the most important term that comes to trans and non-binary folks is gender self-determination. You know, okay. I, don't, even, I don't think just, I've heard that one before. Well, it's, it's like a term that I use a lot that a lot of people, mm-hmm. that people don't talk about. But the idea, the basic principle is that like, you know, gender self-determination is, is the idea that everyone deserves the right to decide their gender for themselves. Mm-hmm. Free from coercion, free from, you know, um, from harassment, mm-hmm. you know, free from harm, free from discrimination, right? Mm-hmm. That every single human on this planet deserves the right to determine and name their gender for themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I think like the, the piece that some people get tripped up on that they're like, I think the gender, I think that people start to associate gender with sex and then they're right. like, well, but you have a penis, so you're a man or you have a vagina, so you're a woman and yeah. gender is not the same as sex. Well, right. And also sex, like the idea that sex is even easily classifiable into one of two categories, like isn't true scientifically. Like yes, intersex that's very people true, are a huge part of the LGBTQI mm-hmm. community. Mm-hmm. That's what the I is for. It stands for intersex. Yeah. And you know, there's there are tons of people all mm-hmm. over the world who are born, you know, with with sort of mixed sex characteristics, mm-hmm. right? Um, and they have often been the site of of stigma and scorn, yeah. um, or erasure or medical abuse. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because oftentimes what will happen is that doctors will do surgeries yes. on children, like non consensual surgeries, yes. before a child is even mm-hmm. when, when you're a baby. Yeah. Um, you know, to tamper with your your body and your genitalia to mm-hmm. make it quote unquote conform to yes. what it's supposed to look like. Yeah. Um, and it's and it's really dehumanizing. It is mm-hmm. a it is a, it is a human rights violation. Violation. Yeah. It is. Um, it is not acceptable. Um, and and it's and it's not okay that as the culture, mm-hmm. that medical professionals are so paranoid about people fitting into a male or a female box that they will literally abuse children. Well, I'm you know? very interested then on which maybe is a separate podcast slash separate conversation or topic, but the the kind of debate I suppose around circumcision. Um, oh right, right, and right. Like, where that is somewhat of what you're talking about where it is kind of this non-consensual surgery that happens on children, on babies and um, how, you know, that can lead yeah. to some accidents where then people are just trying to right. fix it. Right. And yeah, it's messy. I mean, I think circumcision is, is, is sort of can be tangential potentially because it's about mm-hmm. sort of what can, what are we allowed to do to children's yeah. bodies before yeah. they can consent to it. But I think that like the, that, that the, that the level mm-hmm. of, that like that the long term psychological out like impact mm-hmm. of um of non consensual surgeries on intersex yeah. children like there are t- so many studies that sh- hmm. show that like the long term psychological impact on a child yeah. when they are told that their body is wrong yeah. um 
it, it you know, can, it can, can be life threatening, mm-hmm. right? Um, well, like the stigma and the shame and the feelings. Mm-hmm. Whereas like, you know, with circumcision, there are definitely people who regret being circumcised or who wish that they yeah. had not been circumcised. Yeah. But like, you know, as a circumcised person, I'm kind of like, I don't know, like I've never really like been too worried about yeah. it. Like, you know, I don't feel like I've had some adverse psychological outcome that my life has mm-hmm. been ruined by. So yeah. I'm not, what I'm not saying is that it's not a worthwhile conversation, but I don't yeah. want to, I don't want to, cons- I don't want to, I, I think the conversation about like, it, about surgeries on non consensual mm-hmm. surgeries on intersex children, like that is completely and totally unacceptable. That yeah. is child abuse. Yeah, right? and like, that's definitely not okay. very different than circumcision right. because circumcision is just like keeping the penis well, a penis, but just in a little bit of a different way. Um, yeah. Whereas what you're I saying... Mean, like, again, there's a debate to be had there. Yeah. But I just want to say that like, for me, I, I don't consider them to be... like I don't, I don't want to have them together. Yeah, but I yeah. think it's important you bring mm-hmm. that up. Uh, because, like, obviously, it's something that people talk about. Yeah. You know, when people think about, oh, well, we, like, if it's wrong to do that, to in- like, if it's so bad to mm-hmm. do that to intersex children, then, like, why do we do that to anyone? Yeah. And I'm like, well, that's an interesting question. But it's a secondary question to yeah. first, like, setting basic medical standards for what, mm-hmm. how to allow, gen- like, allow intersex kids to have bodily autonomy. Yeah. And also, I can, if you want some, like, badass intersex activists to talk to, I can yes. absolutely refer you some people to have on the podcast. Absolutely. I have a lot of good friends who are intersex. Yeah. yeah. And so, so totally. can you just explain a little bit then of like what that means? So that would be someone that like is born and has like a mix of like penis and vagina parts. And then doctors try to correct it to make it one thing. And then they grow up being told that they are this one gender. And then psychologically, that's like, you know, they, they find out later, can- like what, what would that kind of look like? So, I mean, so the, the, there are, there are a bunch of different ways that intersex conditions Mm -hmm. can appear on a body. There's a bunch of different ways that it can impact both your internal physiology and Mm -hmm. your external physiology. Um, and what I don't want to pretend is that I'm fully an expert and like a medical expert and all of those different things. So I don't want to, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to dive too deeply into it. Um, but what I will say is that, you know, if you Google like intersex activists, there's a million things to read about, Mm -hmm. about, you know, what, what that experience can be Mm -hmm. like for people. Um, and how, you know, how folks, um, have navigated that experience. And, yeah. And, if you have and, any friends you know, would love to have. Totally. I'll throw them your way. Yeah. Um, that'd be amazing. But yeah, but, the, but I bring that up because I think it's important to name that even biologically, we are mm-hmm. not binary. Yeah. We are not strictly one of two things. And so is it, of course it should come as no surprise that when it comes to the sort of metaphysical part of gender, mm-hmm. right, the social part of gender, of course there are people who feel themselves to be in between or outside of one of two categories, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and, mm-hmm. and that's, you know, for me, it's like, yes, I was born with a penis. Yes. I'm a male bodied person, but like, what about like, but I, but I, you know, I've always like in my earliest childhood days, in my earliest memories, you know, in my most pure form of self, mm-hmm. I just had a level of femininity, mm-hmm. you know, it just was who I was, you know, like I, like, I don't think there was, it wasn't like something made me gravitate to, um, you know, tutus in the dress up bin. I just did. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and like, you know, for me, it's, I just, the thing I have so much trouble with is that like, I don't get why people are so invested in policing the, ch- the gender of children, yeah. right? Like, why are people so invested in telling children that, like, that, that, that the way they're performing their gender is wrong? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, you know, that was kind of, I mean, that was essentially the opening of your, of your book was that like your childhood right. was not yours. And that yeah. like just yeah. hit so like hit so not, not not necessarily hit home for me, but like just hit me like so hard of just like oh yeah. oh like that I, I I've talked a bit on the pod like with other guests and whatnot about kind of healing that 
that inner child in themselves and doing that kind of work like in therapy with and honoring the inner child yeah yeah speaking to that inner child providing empathy for that inner child allowing that inner child's pain when it comes up to come up and to to take that as an opportunity to actually heal it um and yeah the you had brought up that in in your book, and I'm curious if you want to expand a little bit on how your childhood wasn't really yours and how you were kind of put into this box. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, I mean, it, it starts so early on because, mm-hmm. and it's funny because back in the day, you know, it wasn't, people weren't as prescriptive yeah. historically about gender roles with children, at least until you came out of the womb. Because mm-hmm. he couldn't know, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, knowing, knowing the sex of your baby before it comes yeah. out of your body is a relatively new historical phenomenon. Yeah. Well, and um, it's such a thing. I mean, I think there's more people now that are like, oh, we're going to try to raise our child like gender neutral and like people trying to experiment yeah. with that. But they're for the most part, the traditional is like, we're having a girl. So her room's going to be pink and we're having a boy. Right. And so his room's going to be blue and he's going to be a football player. Which is funny because <laughs> even pink and blue like have flipped in the last yeah, years. and like, like why pink does used that... to be seen as a masculine color? Isn't yeah. that weird? Doesn't that blow your mind? Yeah, well, and it's like even when you spoke um, a second ago about uh, you know the, going to the tutu and being more feminine, and it's like, well, what makes that like more associated with females, and what makes this more male? You know, and just getting into the conversation of like, right. what does femininity actually mean and look like, and is that just our societal like stereotype, and those are just kind of external things that we're associating with that? And right, oh yeah, and that's so true, and that's something I think about myself. Is it's like, you know, it's it's funny because it's like in a different culture. Who knows how I would have thought about mm-hmm. myself? Because yeah. maybe what's innate to me is just that I love color and texture and fashion mm-hmm. and fabric and mm-hmm. and uh, you know and and richness of of those things. Yeah. Maybe that's what's innate to me, yeah. you know. But that but that in the world we live in, in order to have access to color and texture and mm-hmm. diversity of fabric and interesting fits and forms, you know, and and shoes with an architecture and all that yeah. kind of stuff, you have to wear women's clothes. Yeah. You know, like maybe it's just that I love. Like, I just love shiny shit, you know? And that's my true gender is that I'm just like a crow. You know, crows like (laughs) love shiny stuff. (laughs) Like, maybe that's my true gender, but I happen to live in a world in which loving shiny stuff is coded as feminine. Mm -hmm. Or at least that I don't pick the right shiny stuff to love. You know, like, I don't love sports cars or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know. But it's like, so I think about that a lot. It's such a mind fuck because, you know, we like, one thing that, you know, academics say all the time that like gender is socially constructed. Mm -hmm. But by that, we just mean that like, that we build gender, yeah. right? The idea of what mm-hmm. a man is, is something that we have built as a culture and that we, we rebuild every day, you yeah. know, that we rebuild with every film we someone writes and mm-hmm. we rebuild with every, you know, every TV show that gets made mm-hmm. and we rebuild with every parenting book that's written, yep. you know, every and like, memoir and so that's for me, written. I'm just, yes, we rebuild <laughs> something better. And that's what, for me, like, that's what I'm hoping to do is I'm mm-hmm. like, I don't understand why. I mean, if, if you, if someone told you like, look, we're making an ice cream store and we can either have two flavors or we could carry like 30, mm-hmm. which would you rather have? 30. Right. I like, like options. Who would ever be, right. Like who would ever be like, no, we're only going to, we're going to have this like low key, sad fascist yeah. ice cream store where there are only two ice cream flavors mm-hmm. and you must pick one. And once you pick it, for your child before they are born, they're only ever allowed to eat that flavor. And if they eat the other flavor, they're going to lose their job and fa- and like, yep. you know, and 
like be subject to like to huge social stigma mm-hmm. and like violence and whatever. Like that doesn't make any sense, right? Yeah. So like given that we can rebuild gender however we want, why mm-hmm. not build it such that you can be in between and it be fine, that you mm-hmm. can change what you like over the course of your life, that you're allowed to, mm-hmm. that like, that you're never going to be treated as a social pariah for wearing a certain silhouette. Because yeah. when it comes down to it, it's like, literally, who am I hurting by wearing a dress? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nobody. You know, as long as as long as the people who made the dress were paid properly and as long <laughs> yes. as the laborers got health care, right? So, like, you know, I'm a socialist and yes. I think those things are very important yes. to name. But, like, assuming that it can't, that the dress was ethically sourced, yes. that, you know, everyone who was involved in the production of the dress was protected and that the environment was not degraded in order to make the dress. Yes. In that case, then who am I hurting by wearing a dress? Mm-hmm. And the answer might be myself if it's a little too tight. But other or a than little that, too chilly no out. One, Right. Right. And so it's like at the base of this, there is nothing transgressive or Mm -hmm. edgy or radical about being gender Mm nonconforming. It's just a natural part of the human spectrum that we live in. I Mm -hmm. I feel that my gender is deeply natural. It is so normal and and easy and simple. We just live in a world where we've all been taught like, oh, that's a gender nonconforming person. Oh, that's someone that I should abuse or scorn. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And let's just unteach that. Let's just stop teaching kids that gender mm-hmm. is one of two things. Let's just, and it's not that we have to raise our kids as gender neutral. We yeah. can be like, hey, there's a lot of things you can choose between. Mm-hmm. And what's important is not whether you're a boy or a girl. It's about finding what you like, yeah. Billy. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Like, I don't, it's like, we don't have to be like, there is no such thing as gender, Billy. Billy, gender is not yeah. real. We can be like, gender is real. Like, mm-hmm. gender is the thing that a lot of people feel. And you can feel whatever you want. Some people who have penises feel more like boys. Mm-hmm. Some people who have penises feel more like girls. Some people who have penises don't really feel like either or feel like both sometimes. Mm-hmm. And it's no big deal, Billy. And you can do whatever you want. Yeah. Like, you know, but 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 also please wash your hands. Yes, please, please wash them You know, hands. or like, please be nice to other people. Or like, you know, we can, there are lessons worth teaching to yeah. our children, mm-hmm. but gender policing is not worth teaching our children. Yeah. I, so I want to share a little bit. Uh, I think my first, not my first experience working with someone um, in like a therapeutic setting around gender was, yeah. uh, she was 12 years old. Um, and she was, she did, she was okay with being called she, but she also considered herself to be gender fluid and pansexual. Yeah. And yes. I remember like, this was during my, uh, during my internship. And I remember just being like, damn, like, I, that's so much just to be thinking about at that age. And when I think about like that, I w- when I was 12, if I were like trying to figure out like what my gender is and like what I was attracted to, like, I guess it kind of would have made sense at that period in life. Right. But at the same time, it just was so not what I was expecting to come through the door and was like, okay, like I got to learn a little bit more about this and like, right. we're going to work through this together. And it, it was slightly difficult because I do remember, you know, her, her mom definitely wanted her to be the stereotypical female girl, you know, and she not only had all this other pain and and things that that she was dealing with, but, um, you know, some days she was just like, some days I feel like I want to dress more masculine. And some days I feel, you know, more like I want to experiment with what it would be like to be a boy. And other days I, you know, I want to wear a dress and I feel more like a girl. And she was just kind of like, she just wanted to be able to explore that. And I was like, right. 
go you, explore it. Yeah. And like, that's all we need to say to kids. People, people act like, you know, I feel like a lot of parents, parents talk to me all the time, like, what do I do with my gender nonconforming kid? Or like, I'm expecting and what do I do? And I'm like, look, the social, like dealing with the social consequences, it it will be difficult, right? Like, I don't want to oversimplify that because people can be really, really mean, you know? And if you have a gender nonconforming child, odds are people, some people are going to be really mean to you about not you not curtailing your child's yeah. behavior as if it needs to be curtailed, mm-hmm. right? And and people are going to be really, some people are going to be really mean to your kid about mm-hmm. being different. But the reality is it's like, like, look, you can either affirm your kid at home and help them, help support them as much as you can in dealing with a world that is maybe not always going to be affirming mm-hmm. of who they are. Yeah. Or, I mean, or you can bully them at home too. Yeah. And it's like, why add more bullying and mm-hmm. stigma and harassment into their lives? Like, yeah. your home should be your home. It should be your safe mm-hmm. place where you don't have to worry about anyone being mean to you, where you feel safe wearing whatever you want to wear, yeah. where you feel okay expressing your gender. And people feel like, well, if I affirm my kid at home, then they're going to learn that, they, that then, then I'm not protecting them yeah. from the outside world. And I'm like, no, you're just taking the abuse of the outside world as your personal responsibility. Yeah. Like, don't do that. Don't abuse your child. You know, like love on your kid, you know, and like, you don't need to prepare your kid. Like, cause the thing is like this idea that you can like train your kid out of their gender, that's bullshit. Mm -hmm. You can't do that. Like, believe me, people tried to train me out of mine. (laughs) You know, if I could train myself out of my gender, Mm -hmm. like, you know, like, like then it would have happened already. Right. Like there's just something innate here. Yeah. It's, um, I remember there was a part in your book where you wrote about uh, your graduation and your dad kind of asking like, okay, can you just please dress normally for this? And you were like, well, I haven't really thought about it yet, but like, I'm going to wear what I want to wear. Like, this is my graduation. And I thought it was amazing how you, you know, stood up for yourself. But B, I think that even in that sentiment of like, you know, as a parent being like, can you please just like wear a dress? It's like, in in some way in that sentiment is this sense of wanting to protect you from harm is wanting to protect themselves from harm um, right and it's and then at the end you had like a chapter of like dear mom and dad and like the letter you wrote to your dad was like so sweet and i He's was like, like such a sweetie i was like starting to tear up i was like this is like so sentimental and like just so sweet because it was like you essentially and even kind of what you said even at the um uh, at the last book tour here in Seattle was just like, you know, your parents too have, have came such a long way or, or at least your dad and that they've had to learn so much about this and where yeah, both my mom and my dad, you know, they've learned yeah. so much. Yeah. And where you've, you've kind of, at least in that chapter, you had said, you know, that like he doesn't necessarily show his love through talking and that's not stereotypically how men do that, but of noticing the small things where they're expressing that they love you and where, you know, right. if anyone's allowed to, you know, call you by the wrong pronoun or whatever, it's going to be your mom because like she gave birth right. to you. And just like that, yeah. that sense of empathy and that just that sense of like love was like so clear to me. And I was just like, oh, Jacob, it's so sweet. Mm. Um, we have some alarms. We have some like some sirens coming by yeah. on my end. That's the LA, oh, LA line. Do you want me to wait them out or should we keep talking? You're good. You can oh, they're going. gone now. They're gone. Um, yeah. The, but no, I mean like that's the thing too. Yeah. Like with my parents, you know, it's, I think. I think that they really struggled with this mm-hmm. idea of whether or not do we do we encourage our child to butch it up so that he'll be protected mm-hmm. or do we allow him to just live as he is mm-hmm. you know and 
And I think that, you know, that I think that ultimately trying to like encouraging your child to suppress their gender so that the rest of the, so that they, to, to like, as, as a form of protection, it just never works. Yeah. I don't think, I think if you talk to any trans person who was coerced into being a boy or being a girl kind of against their will, mm-hmm. but it, for quote unquote, their protection, if you ask them, would you have rather just had parents who said, be who you want to be and I'll yeah. fuck up anyone who tries to fuck you up? Like yep. everyone would say yes, mm-hmm. you know? And, and that's the other thing is it's like, you know, I think the other thing that, that happens and this is, you know, this is like I empathize with this position because I've been there too, right? Like yeah. my gender has inadvertently made me be an activist in this world, mm-hmm. you know, like, like, and, and I, it wasn't, it sort of, it wasn't by choice, like whether or not I wanted to be an activist, like in order to survive, I had to learn that skill set. Yeah. And the same thing is true of any parent of a trans or gender nonconforming kid. You actually just have to learn to be an activist, mm-hmm. you know, and that's really hard for a lot of people because being an activist is hard and it's yeah. a skill set that not everyone's taught, you know, like, yeah. like it's, you know, not every mom knows how to like, you know, march into her office and say, mm-hmm. look, colleagues, like this is my kid. This is what they wear. And everyone shut the fuck up about it. Mm-hmm. You know, like not every dad is equipped with the skills to march into the school board and be like, my kid is getting bullied by fucking Chester. Chester's mom isn't doing anything about it. Mm-hmm. Chester's dad isn't doing anything about it. Principal fucking, you know, Radcliffe isn't doing anything about it. Yeah. And like, y'all need to fix this or else I'm going to call the ACLU. Mm-hmm. You know, like everyone... Yeah doesn't know that skill set and it's actually what you have to have in order to protect your trans kid in this world sometimes so it's you know it's i wish there was i I feel like we we still have a lot of resource development that we need to build Mm -hmm. but i do think that with like the internet um and at least access to that information is a lot Mm -hmm. easier yeah you know like access to the emotional support still Mm -hmm. complicated still hard to find sometimes but access to like at least information about like Mm -hmm. to know that you're not alone to know that other people are going through what you're going through to figure out how to navigate it that's at least there and and in terms of that like emotional support i'm curious if if therapy has played a role for you um throughout Mm -hmm. your life or how you Mm -hmm. did find that kind of emotional support um and what Mm -hmm. that looked like yeah um well therapy still plays an active role in my life um and it should have played an active role in my life a lot more often Mm -hmm. um if you are out there and you are listening to this podcast and you are not in therapy go figure out why you're not because you just i just everyone like no one doesn't not need to be in therapy yep that was a lot of negatives that was like a triple (laughs) negative but everyone needs to be in therapy yes uh i always plug this and it's not an ad and i wish they would be an ad but psychologytoday.com is a great resource to like look up therapists in your area you just enter your zip code they have filters for your insurance and the issues you want to discuss um and all of that so highly recommend using that if you want to find a therapist like Definitely, you know, I mean, like a really emotional moment for me was because my, my, you know, my current therapist, like in LA, you know, she played a huge role in supporting me and, mm-hmm. and helping me process things as, as I, you know, put this book out, yeah. both in terms of like writing the thing and exploring everything that, that yeah. it required, but also in terms of, um, you know, putting my story out into the world mm-hmm. and dealing with all of those feelings. It's a lot of um, vulnerability there to handle. <laughs> it's a fuck ton of vulnerability. Um, oof. And sometimes I, some days I think I wouldn't wish it, wish it on my worst enemy. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then other days it's like, you know, it's, 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 it's the blessing of a lifetime. I mean, yeah. there's something about, there's something, there's kind of this ultimate freedom and being yeah. novel, this I was going to say, I'm sure it's like very empowering in a way because it's kind of the ultimate like owning yourself, which literally it's like, you know, it's, 
as the title is sissy, you know, that's like you kind of taking a word that would be used negatively right. against you and being like, yeah, no, like this is, this is my shit. And when you do take that step to really own it in such a public way, um, mm. I think that's super empowering and you no longer have to kind of act like you're something else or be this other yeah. thing to please people. And like, that's, you know, as a, as a woman, I experienced that in some ways, but I can't even imagine being a, being a trans woman as to where that, is just so exaggerated and has got to be just exhausting to even attempt. Mm. Well, I mean, you know, A, I think misogyny is exhausting everywhere mm-hmm. um, for anyone who's experiencing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I don't, I don't, I don't feel like we even need to explore hierarchies of <laughs> yeah. misogyny. We can just be like, it's all exhausting. Yep, okay. Yep. Yep. Um, like intersectionality is important. We can talk about intersectionalities of misogyny, yes. but we don't need yes. to talk about hierarchies of misogyny. Yes. Um, because the moment we're, we're doing that, we're kind of all losing. Mm-hmm. Um, cause like, yeah. like how much you're fucked over by misogyny shouldn't be a contest. Yes. All pain <laughs> like, is pain. Right. Yes. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I, I think there is something really powerful for me, like publishing a book with the, with Sissy as the title, elegantly designed with glossy print, mm-hmm. you know, and my, and a beautiful illustration of my face next to it um mm-hmm. that honestly like if you ever release a book don't put your actual portrait on the cover because if you put an illustration of your face it's like your face but even better you know what <laughs> i mean it's like it's like it's like your face but all the lines are cleaned up and you don't have to yeah. worry about if you had a fucking pimple that day you know what i mean it's so great like illustration good call good call turn <laughs> on a book cover decision um and also like, like my neck is like 12 years long in this illustration. <laughs> like I actually held it up to my real head and I was like, well, the facial proportions are kind of right, but the neck is way too fucking long. <laughs> the neck is That's long. also because I have terrible posture and I'm constantly slouching. But yeah. anyway, like for me, putting Sissy on the cover of my book, it feels like, it feels like my, my, um, I think this is the right movie reference. It feels like my pretty woman moment where I walk back into the store mm-hmm. and I'm like, yes. I'm back and actually I'm wealthy. Yes. You know, <laughs> like I'm back, I'm back and you should have treated me better. Yes. You know, it feels yep. like a way of like returning to all the people who tried to screw me over and being like, oh, mm-hmm. you thought you won. Mm-hmm. Hi, I'm back and I'm better <laughs> hey than there. ever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Little like hands under the chin and yes. kind of like head cocked. Like, oh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm very happy to hear that, that therapy has been an important part in all of this for you and, um, as a sense of emotional support and, you know, as, as you go through relationships and, you know, we talked a little bit about like the, how your family has coped and, Mm -hmm. and all of that. And at the event, someone asked you a question about sex and that just, I really appreciated your very honest response to that of like right, figuring right. it out. Um, and yeah, I guess I'm just, I wonder if there's anything that you can kind of say to, to touch on that where, you know, trying to go about finding someone uh, mm. and that like matches with that when, when there are so many different levels and um, a whole spectrum per se of, right. of gender, of, of where you kind of meet someone on that when it's not just this yeah. this uh stereotypical uh black or white of like heterosexual or homosexual and like of right. male right. or female and yeah yeah i mean you know i i joke that um 
you know, the movement I care most about, the social justice movement I care most deeply about is not the trans movement, but is about bi and pansexual dudes, Mm -hmm. like, Mm -hmm. coming out and claiming their shit. But because the trans movement being successful can can get me laid mm-hmm. um but the bi and pansexual movement being successful mm-hmm. is is um yeah. is a very important aspect yeah. in me getting laid you mm-hmm. know so like i have a i have a social justice investment in it but it's also a much more selfish investment yeah. where i'm like look i need you to like come out so that yeah. you can come in mm-hmm. you know what i mean yeah yeah yep. like um and and i also you know i, I think it's also just so important um for us to not be ashamed to because we live in a culture where that where if you say that you're not having success in getting access to the intimacy or romance or sex mm-hmm. that you would like um people we live in a culture that's very victim blamey about yeah. that you know mm-hmm. that's like oh well like you clearly just don't have the right social graces yeah. or well then you must not be trying hard enough or mm-hmm. like oh it's probably just because you're ugly yeah. you know like probably like we, you're like, not, it, you don't, didn't like smile enough and like weren't right. positive <laughs> right like that like we always blame the individual for mm-hmm. not having a sex life yeah. and not having the intimacy in their life that they would like and not having the partnership that they would like and the mm-hmm. reality is that like not having access to partnership and not mm-hmm. having access to sexual partners and not having access to a sexual a sexual practice that feels good for you mm-hmm. is part of how people have been oppressed for generations. Yeah. yeah. Right? Like part of uh, one of the biggest ways that oppressors get you is by denying you the ability to feel beautiful. Mm-hmm. You know? And that is like an intersectional call to action that all of us need to benefit from, right? Mm-hmm. Like no one should be told that their body or anything about who they are makes them unlovable or un- yeah. unfuckable. You know, mm-hmm. like anytime the world tells you that, that is oppression, that mm-hmm. is oppressive. Um, and, and we live in a world where, where sexuality is mm-hmm. like sexual orientation is not constructed, but mm-hmm. sexuality very much is what we find hot. Like yeah. I, like I, I'm so like, like, I, I'm so like, the more I think about it and actually in the process of writing this book, I don't write a lot about my sexuality. I write some mm-hmm. about it, but I mm-hmm. joke a lot. I mean, I joke around the edges. Yeah. I, I think that my, a book sort of more about my journey as a sexual person is a, a later work mm-hmm. that will come in my life. So yeah. get ready for that juicy follow-up world. Can't wait. Um, but like, but I, you know, the, I, one thing that just, I think about is I'm like, literally my sexuality was programmed by like some fucking terrible cisgender white dude in a suit at Disney who decided what shows got greenlit and what shows I was allowed to watch and what characters could star in those shows. Mm -hmm. Like literally some skeezy dude in Hollywood decided like what I would be programmed to want Mm -hmm. and like, fuck him. Yeah. He sucks. He's terrible. (laughs) You know, like what the fuck? That's awful. Like, and that, that like these curators of media and culture Mm -hmm. have so much power to determine whether or not we are able to find people authentically beautiful, you yeah. know? And because the reality is that, like, by nature, we are not, like, we do not think that, like, that, like, curvy bodies and thick bodies are ugly. Mm-hmm. By, you know, by nature, we're very attracted to them, yes. you know? By nature, people are attracted to, like, having more to hold. Mm-hmm. By nature, people are, people's, like, ev- you know, every person has is attractive to some people, yeah. you know? But then we live in a world where culturally we're programmed to mm-hmm. ignore some of our desires and feel shame about some of our desires mm-hmm. and and feel, you know, able to socially express other desires. Mm-hmm. And I'm... I resent that the world sent all these messages to people who normally would find someone like me really hot, mm-hmm. that their desire of me means that they're a freak. 
Yeah. It's like, I mean, you might be a freak in the great way, but you're <laughs> yeah. certainly not a freak in the bad way, honey. You know what yeah. I mean? And I would appreciate a freak in the good way, in yeah. the good sense of freak. Mm-hmm. You know, like I need a True. freak, you know, I need, like, you know, I'm like, uh, I, I want a lady in the streets and, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. freak in the bed. Yeah. But like, but like, but you know, but the idea that there's something um, deviant about mm-hmm. thinking that trans people are hot. Yeah. The fact that like, like, you know, like, I just want to tell like, you know, the dudes of the world, which like I am, you know, punished by the universe to be attracted to. Um, like, you know, people talk about like, conversion therapy is like the worst terrible thing. Like, yeah. con- like the, this idea that you can like convert queer people into straight mm-hmm. people or trans people into cisgender people. It's garbage. It doesn't work. Mm-hmm. But there's a part of me that wish it did because if I could make myself interested in women, then I would medically transition and just be a trans lesbian. You know, yes. it would be fabulous. Oh yes. my God. That's like my dream. Yes. But I, I am cursed to be attracted to predominantly men and masculine center people. Mm-hmm. And so what I need to say to all the boys out there is if you see me with my like big, tall, beautiful legs that are a little fuzzy in my heels mm-hmm. and you look at me in that cute little skirt or that beautiful gown and you think, hmm, or you just like twitch a little in your pants. Yeah. Listen to that. You yeah, know? just let like, it let it be there. Feel it for a second. Yeah, like let me know. You know, you can just be like, hey, like I don't know what this is about, but I had a little twitch down there. <laughs> what do you think? And then I'll be like, I'm actually very interested in exploring that twitch. Let's talk. Like, yes. you know? Yeah. And yeah, so like, I imagine I just, then that any of those kinds of interactions for you have had to happen. I don't know. Do, do those kinds of interactions just happen like very naturally and, and, uh, and authentically? Or is that typically something that like has to be in a way set up ahead of time, like meeting someone online mm. that you know that they're like interested in, in all these yeah. kinds of things? Or is it like, I don't know. I mean, I feel like it's been, it's just, it's pretty rough either way because online, yeah. like the way that we, you know, like, like grinder is like such a fucking waste of time for me, you know, yeah. even though that's what everyone would think would be the place I'd find people. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I feel like, I feel like the success, I mean, I, I don't know what the recipe for success is for my dating yeah. life yet, but I just like want, you know, I, I want to stand in solidarity with all of the perpetually single femmes who can't seem to like find a partner who yeah. knows how to like really honor them and not be intimidated by them mm-hmm. and like, you know, like celebrate their real attraction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause I know I'm not alone in that. Like that's, there's so many people who just like, who are super successful in life, who have incredible social functioning, mm-hmm. you know, who like, who are, who are brilliant, who are talented, who are charismatic, who have great mm-hmm. careers, whatever, who are, you know, and, and who on paper should easily be able to find access to partnership, yeah. but just like, but then people, some people just like, don't know how to not be intimidated by that, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. And it's weird. It's confusing. You know, but that's, that's the biggest thing, you know, I feel, I feel like that's a big frontier in terms of my own self-love. It's like, I don't yet know Mm -hmm. how to exist in my gender in front of other people and not just feel ugly. You know, I don't know that yet. In my own home, like when I get ready and when I look at a picture of myself, don't get it twisted. I look at it and I'm like, oh, wow. Like you're a sexy fucking motherfucker. Mm -hmm. You know, like I look at a picture of me, like I wore this gown the other day that was like this champagne kind of nude gown, with like lace uh, head to toe. I love a nude. Love a nude. Yes. With like, with like, um, it was my first time doing a nude gown and I was like, Mm. whoa, I'm missing something. Um, (laughs) you know, and it, and it had like, and it had like, uh, uh, like seek, like clear sequins, like Mm. sewn up and down to the whole thing. So they don't Mm -hmm. read as color, but then like when the light hits it, it's gorgeous. And Mm -hmm. I looked at myself in the mirror and I was like, what we know, 
is that you deserve to get pounded tonight. Yes. What we are not certain of is that that will actually happen. Yes. You know, I was like you in this dress, like you deserve to find someone who wants to leave this on the floor. Mm -hmm. And there is, there are people out there who want to leave this on the floor, but, but like, you know, I just know the realities of how people have been cultured Mm -hmm. and what people have been taught. And I, part of me thinks that the the more likely strategy for for me is that I'm just going to be a cougar because I'm going to have to like do, I'm going to have to be really successful as an activist and sort of change what the next generation is allowed to be attracted to. Mm -hmm. And then they'll be able to be like, oh, hi. Mm -hmm. And I'll be like, hello, I'm like a respectable 37-year-old professional lady. You are a 23-year-old, like up and coming, whatever. And I guess Mm -hmm. now we're dating. Yep. (laughs) You know? Yeah. I mean, I would also imagine that being within this kind of activist culture that not only are you then in a way, like setting an example and, and showing where people can be attracted to someone that looks like you, but then also being in a in a community of people where um, people would be able to actually explore their right. attractiveness to you. Right. And figuring that out is hard because it's not gay men mm-hmm. necessarily. You know, yeah. like there are some, there are some, que- there are some gay men, there are some men who spend time, gay men who spend time in the, you know, gay community that are like, that have a legitimately queer sexuality where mm-hmm. like they're really into feminine energy, like in a, ma- like in a male body, you know, mm-hmm. they're really into kind of like, like an, a properly queer attraction. Yeah. But I feel like most gay men are like, I'm a dude, I'm attracted to dudes. That's just how it is. Mm-hmm. You're not really a dude. And I'm like, true, fair. Yeah. So it's like, you know, figuring out and there aren't spaces where like bi and pansexual men gather. Mm-hmm. You know, there just aren't yeah. spaces that those spaces don't exist, for, at least that I know of. Yeah. And if those spaces do exist and I don't know of them, excuse me, where is my invitation? Yeah. So, <laughs> like, you know, so I, I think it's, you know, it's a, yeah, like finding, finding, like figuring out how to meet people when there aren't venues set up specifically for yeah. you to do that is, is difficult. And then also it's like when I think about the mindset of a prospective partner, you know, if you're, if you're legitimately a bio pansexual dude mm-hmm. and you know, and you are, and you experience authentic attraction to like cisgender dudes, cisgender women, like trans folks and like gender nonconforming people. Mm-hmm. It's like, part of me is like, yeah, I mean, I can see how it would be extremely socially inconvenient to date someone like me because you'd have to kind of come out to your entire circle of friends mm-hmm. that like, this is someone that you're attracted to. Yeah. And, you know, and like be, and like coming out as the partner of a trans person mm-hmm. is, takes ton of courage and there are no there are not very many good role models out there for that you know and we need more role models for that like trans attracted people need icons they need Mm -hmm. characters in television we need we need cultural signaling that this is okay so that it doesn't feel like such a site of stigma and it doesn't feel like such a site of shame Mm -hmm. yeah well and it is i think also like you said earlier broadening the scope of what is beautiful Right. Yeah. Like body positive activism is like the activism I care about the most mm-hmm. Yeah. because I'm tired of feeling, I'm tired of the world telling me that I'm ugly. Yeah. I'm just tired of it. I'm like, I am not empirically. I'm not. <laughs> I'm, and it's because empirically. Like, you just said empirically. <laughs> yeah. I was like, going to say, yeah, you're really not. And you're like, empirically, right. I'm not. <laughs> no, like, like studies have shown that I'm fucking gorgeous. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, you know, I commissioned a yes. non a, yes. a, a bipartisan, you know, unbiased scientific study, and the results are that I'm a fucking yes. hot piece of ass. Yes. Okay, 
Yes, absolutely. Like, I've been verified <laughs> as attractive by the council. So everyone needs to get on board with that. Yes. Oh, my God, I love that. Um, and <laughs> even as we talk about all of this, uh, you had... <laughs> Wow. I'm sweating now. I think that that might have been my favorite part of this whole episode. But um, (laughs) to to kind of piggyback off of like what is beautiful, um, you've suggested that like everyone, you know, experiments with their gender. And a lot of the ways that we think about that are external with like putting (laughs) on a dress or wearing a suit. And... I'm curious then if if that is really the basis at which at which we are identifying and labeling gender at, and then also if there are ways that people can experiment and explore that gender that's not necessarily an an outward projection. Mm. If that makes mm. sense. No, totally. Because it's like this idea that like clothes make the man yeah. is kind of stale. You know, yeah. the clothes make the woman. It's like, no, like that's like, it gets so much deeper than that. And I guess what I would say to that is that, you know, aesthetics and fashion and clothing mm-hmm. and accessories and whatever, to me, they are tools for spiritual exploration. True. That was, you know, that, that was fantastic. That, gender, that needs to be a quote somewhere on like yeah, an we'll Instagram feed. Like that, that was... Yeah. Yeah, that was you know good. that like that like things and and like like again and that's because I and I want to be very clear, right? Like there is nothing shallow about trying on lipstick for the first time in your mm-hmm. life. You know, like yeah. there is nothing shallow about seeing what your face looks like mm-hmm. in some like you know with with an adornment that you're not used to. Mm-hmm. There's nothing shallow in wearing a different cut that 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 allows you to tap into an energy that you've never felt before, mm-hmm. you know, like it's, it's like, it's, it's, it, yeah, I think that it's, it's important to not lose the forest for the trees, right? Mm-hmm. That yes, these things are all just garments. Yes. They're all just accessories. Yes. It's just makeup. Yes. It's just a bow tie, whatever. Mm-hmm. But like, but that, but given the cultural weight that those objects have, yeah. it's, it, they are tools that we use to access a spiritual truth mm-hmm. and, and a spiritual level of healing. You know, and and in the same way that like, you know, you could just you can look at a rosary and say it's just beads. Mm -hmm. You can look at a cross and be like, it's just wood. You know, Mm -hmm. you can look at a menorah and be like, that's just brass. Mm. You know, like these objects, objects that we endow our spirituality and our self care and our our our, you know, our emotional journeys in Mm. are just objects. But but they but they but they do so much more for us Mm -hmm. than just that. So I think it's important to name that gender exploration is a spiritual and sacred enterprise. Mm-hmm. It is it is everyone's spiritual right to explore their gender and and figure out and explore their selfhood via gender. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you know, yeah, I don't I don't want to underplay just how important that is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was so wonderfully said. So Thank wonderfully you. said. <laughs> I love doing podcasts because I synthesize shit that I've never synthesized before or say things in ways that I haven't quite said before. Yes. You know, it's like, like, I feel like when you do like a TV interview where you're like with Katie Kirk or whatever, like you have to stick to your talking points and yeah. you don't make any new discoveries. But when you're doing a podcast, you just are kind of like, we're just chatting willy nilly. And then yeah. all of a sudden you're like, oh shit, I haven't said it like that before. That's, that's an interesting way to put that. Sure, put that in my book. Oh, well, it's already printed. Yep. Yep. Save it for the next one. Yep. Save it for the next one. 
Um, well, yeah, I mean, I could literally go on for like a whole another hour and talk with you more about right. all this because you're wonderful. We'll have to do and that I love in talking sometime with you. soon. I know we definitely should. Um, I, I might be in LA and if I am, I will definitely let you know. Um, yeah. But yeah, do we want to end off with a little reading from... Oh, sure. Yeah, 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 that'd be cute. I'll do. I'll end by reading a little bit. Yeah. So for anyone who's listening at home who already has it, we're reading from page 56. Yes. And I'm talking... This is a section about um, my, my grandmother. Um, mm-hmm. and, and so the passage before it is talking about sort of places like how, the, how a lot of the world was kind of hostile to my femininity. So that's kind of what we're leading mm-hmm. in with. Okay. There were a few exceptions to this rule, my grandmother's house being one of them. My grandmother on my mom's side was a classy, sweet, kind Southern woman who'd learned to live in a more open-minded way in the post-Jim Crow South. She wasn't perfect, but as far as old white Southern grandmas go, she was pretty dang sweet, and she was pretty dang sweet, and I loved her ceaselessly. Also, she wore geometric print windbreakers from the 1980s well into the 2000s, which certainly didn't hurt. She held on to some of the pieces in her wardrobe long enough that they actually became ahead of their time again. I was always proud of her for that. If she were alive today, she would have rocked millennial pink. Part of the love that I shared with my grandmother was based in the fact that she adored my sweetness, my kindness, my compassion, and my gentle manner. I don't know what exactly it was that enabled her to be so kind, affirming, and unrelenting in her support of my femininity, but I think it might have had something to do with being old enough not to give a fuck. Unlike many of the adults in my life, she never seemed worried about whether I was sufficiently manly. In fact, she would have been shocked and supremely disapproving if I'd ever lashed out in anger or been physically violent. Where everyone else attempted to curtail or turn a blind eye to my femininity, my grandmother looked it in the face unashamed and unintimidated. She never would have said it this way, but in my mind, I wasn't mom's little boy or dad's little sport. I was grandma's little sissy. Weekends at grandma's house consisted of all my favorite things. We'd run to the market to get fresh chicken salad and veggies, cook together, knit quietly, sip sweet tea and play cards or rum a cube until about 9.30 p.m., which is when my grandma would fall asleep automatically, as if on autopilot, no matter where she was sitting. I would spend hours rifling through her jewelry collection and trying things on when she wasn't looking. When we got ready to go to church or to dinner, she'd let me help her pick out her earrings and brooches, and I'd always choose the ones with the sparkliest, biggest, gaudiest costume gems. The most exciting trip I ever took to my grandmother's house was when I was seven, and we spent the whole weekend alone, just me and my grandma. No dad or mom to worry about, no annoying older brother to contend with, just us girls. I felt like I'd died and gone to heaven, or more accurately, like I'd died and been transported into an episode of the Golden Girls. Note, is there even a difference? (laughs) My grandma would play the character of Rose, sweet, funny, and warm, and oblivious to what was going on around her, notably the fact that her grandson was obviously a homosexual. And I would play Blanche, minus the sex, but with Dorothy's wardrobe. No one would have to play Sophia because call me a hypocrite or a blasphemer or edgy or whatever you like. She's my least favorite character. During that trip, my grandmother and I had the best time. She taught me to memorize the Lord's Prayer, how to skip, which shockingly I'd never learned to do myself, and how to blow a bubble with gum. After that trip, I went from being an underinformed princess to being a fully equipped queen. I could now skip up to my enemies on the playground 
blow a bubble in their face, insult them while smacking my gum, and when they got angry at me, passive aggressively remind them that God forgives us as our God forgives us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us, Susan. In reality, I probably couldn't have gotten away with that on the playground, but it was nice to know that I could try. You are so amazing, and I love every bit of that. God forgives us our trespasses as we forgive others. Susan. (laughs) That was absolutely fantastic. Um, Mm. Thank you so much for, A, putting out this amazing memoir, B, for coming on the pod and sharing all of this with us today. Um, And if people want to get your book, if people want to check you out, um, why don't you let people know where they can find you? Yeah. Well, first follow me on at Jacob Tobia, J-A-C-O-B-T-O-B-I-A. It's across every platform. Mm -hmm. Um, And if you want to get the book, I would love if you could go buy it at your independent bookseller um, in your neighborhood or town. If they don't have it on order, I'm sure they'll order it specifically for you. Mm -hmm. Um, But they should have it in stock. Uh, Mm -hmm. And... um, But if you can't do that, or if you don't have the time to do that, then you can also get it anywhere else books are sold, you know, Mm -hmm. like Barnes & Noble, Amazon, all Mm -hmm. of it. Books a million. It's there. I love, I love that you plugged the independent local bookstores and there was another, there was another piece, uh, just maybe a little anecdote here that you could share that you shared at the, uh, Seattle event here of what you were hoping people would do with your book and where they would, the places that they would put it. (laughs) Yes. So also when you're finished with your book, if you're trying to Marie Kondo your house or declutter, but you finished the book and you loved it and it meant something to you, but you want to release it onto the world, Mm -hmm. you could donate it to Goodwill. I love Goodwill, Mm -hmm. but also consider hiding it in a men's restroom and a bathroom stall um, so that some unwitting man Mm -hmm. who probably needs a lot of gender-based healing that he doesn't know he needs will go in there simply to poop um, and will leave enlightened. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking love it. (laughs) Fucking love it. Thank you so, so, so much for being on today. Oh, this I've was so fun. <laughs> loved having time. you on. <laughs> that does it for today's episode, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening. And I really hope you guys learned a lot from this episode. I hope there's a lot that you guys can take away and expand your knowledge on. Um, do your own kind of research. Uh, welcome new people into your social groups. And you know, step outside of your comfort zone in your typical bubble and meet other people. And, and, um, I just, this is just a wonderful episode. I I could continue for a whole nother hour on this topic. Uh, but just want to say thank you guys again for tuning in and, uh, feel free to head over to iTunes and leave a review or a rating. I love seeing what you guys are liking about the show and, uh, maybe what your favorite episode is. And I really hope you guys check out Jacob's book, Sissy, and you can find that in the episode notes. Uh, and that really all does it for today. So I hope you guys have a wonderful rest of your week and I will talk to you next time. is brought to you by Wave Podcast Network. Check out all of our shows, including the Brain Candy Podcast, I Don't Get It, Coffee Convos, and Let's Talk About It. Surgeons keep our hearts beating. They do the amazing, help save lives, and so can you. 
Your CSL Plasma donation can help create 24 critical life-saving medicines that can give Grandpa the chance for his heart to swell when he meets his new grandson or give a bride the chance for her heart to skip a beat on her wedding day. Every plasma donation helps more than you know. Do the amazing. Help save lives. Donate today at your local CSL Plasma Center and be rewarded for your generosity.